we begin and, and continuing our conversation about um, this idea of neighborhood and this invitation of won't you be my neighbor uh, and looking into that, let's pray together. Father God, you are good and your love endures forever. It is just good to be gathered together as a priesthood of believers, to be in community, a place where we can give you our honor and our glory and our praise, that we can learn more about who you are and your great love for us and we can encourage one another. Uh, your Holy Spirit can be in this place and in us so that we're filled with overflowing so that we can go out uh, and be you in the world. So open our hearts and our minds uh, to the message and, and the things that are from you, may they be remembered and taken to heart. And the things that are just about Carrie Rogers, help those to just be forgotten and thrown to the wayside. God, we thank you for who you are and who we get to be when we stand in the light of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray and believe, amen. So I used to um, have, be part of this really cool thing called um, Dinner Club. And it's not like if you're from alive in Jenison, like dinner club was a thing. It wasn't that dinner club. <laughs> That's great too. Uh, but this was my friends and we were part, and we did this dinner club and there was four of us and uh, it was really fun. And the basic, the rules were, if you were hosting, you were in charge of everything, right? So it didn't matter what we ate. It wasn't about necessarily cooking the greatest meal because if they came to my house, it was dicey. <laughs> Right, like I make three things well and everything else is like, man, maybe we're gonna have pizza today. Um, but it was really funny because there was a married couple in, in the group and there was two of us that were single. Uh, and so we would, sometimes we would have to team up because we, the, the single girls, we were busy all the time. And so we were like, I don't know, can we have it at your house? Maybe Chinese food is fine. Um, but it wasn't, right, it wasn't about the, the, the food or getting the dessert uh, ready and all that kind of stuff. It was just about gathering together Right? It was a place where um, we would catch up and make sure that in the busyness of life, we were staying connected with each other. Um, we would, in, in the course of the years that we had this dinner club going, we tried to get together once a month. And part of the rules were um, you, we would stay for two hours minimum. If you want to stay longer, that's fine, but don't double book right? Like you stay for two hours and if you have something beyond that, that you can. We had one person in our group that was younger than the rest of us. And so she was, you know, more fine with like doing something after 9 p.m. than some of us were. Um, but those were, those are the rules that you kind of had to, to stay for this time and just be sort of present uh, in the moment. And, and during that time, babies were born, right? And we had, uh, we went to a, a wedding and it was just kind of cool to see how our, how our lives kind of evolved and changed. We talked each other through really difficult seasons. Should I take this new job? This isn't going really well for me. I've got this decision to make. You brought it to dinner club, right? I remember when our other friend was, if she was interested in a boy, it always meant how interested was she? Is, is he gonna come to dinner club? Is dinner club gonna get us this shot, right? To be, uh, to, to sort of meet him and stuff. So that was sort of the, maybe you guys have those things in your life that you, either you have something like that, you're part of something with your group of people that you just, there's something, we need a reason to gather and food is always that. I think about the holidays, right? Like we didn't have this big meal, but really it's just to get the family together and the, the, the food is a bonus, but things happen when we gather around a table and it doesn't necessarily matter if you're a good cook or a bad one, it's what takes place at the dinner table. It's the connection that happens when you stop and there's no screens on and you put everything away and just for a little bit of time, you're sharing a meal and having a really good conversation. You know, you're, you're connecting with people. 
Sometimes we come up uh, with so many programs and strategies and formulas uh, in which to, to get connected to people, right? Especially in a church. We're like, we should do this and host this thing and then be there. When really, if we kind of look at the way Jesus connected with people, it was more small group stuff, right? Like he, he had meals with people. He had conversations around a table, right? Like that's just sort of the way that he behaved. So if you ever do anything more than connecting with your neighbors, you're gonna be ahead of the game, right? Like that's, the, that's kind of where we're heading. So meals, if you're in the time of Jesus, were a really, really personal thing. We talked about this a few, a few weeks ago, but you didn't just invite anyone over for dinner, right? Like it wasn't just, yes, come to our house and it's gonna be real breezy. No, you, you invited people over for dinner uh, who were like you so that you could you know, share a meal, maybe get to know. Or if someone were, had a higher social status, you'd invite them over to impress them a little bit. Maybe a little bit like, maybe it's still more thing, but having your boss over for dinner, maybe that's just on the sitcom. I don't know if that's a thing. I've never had Terry over for dinner. He's my boss, so it's never been really a thing. He's had me over for dinner. It impressed me very much. But isn't the funny thing about, if we look at biblical times, if that's the way they, they did dinner, we're, we're not a whole lot further from that. Like when we have people over for dinner, it's a little bit stressful. Even if it's just your, your family, I mean, you, you, want the, you want the house to be just perfect and you want it to be all you know, cleaned up and you care kind of what the meal is gonna be about. And it's really good if you can invite someone that you maybe didn't know as well. You kind of wanna put your best foot forward. Or I've, I've had this conversation so many times, you've been to somebody else's house and so there's this pressure because their house is bigger and nicer and cleaner, right? And so there's this, I gotta live up to these sort of expectations. There's this social status of being impressive. So we're really not a whole lot different than the way that they used to do it. But we, we often spend time inviting people over and spending time with people that are exactly like us, that, are, that tend to be already in the circles uh, in which we hang out with anyway, right? Like, my favorite people to invite over are my friends. Because one, there's really low expectations, <laughs> right? They're not expecting anything impressive. Um, a meatloaf, if it's not summer, is what they're going to get because it's the thing I make the, make the most and the best, right? There's just, I, I like that. Then we can talk and we can laugh and we can share and it's breezy and it's easy and it's great. And there's, I don't think there's anything, those are good pieces for us to do, to, to be connected with people, but what if we started spending more time, if I had to go to dinner with people that weren't uh, like me or that drove me crazy, sometimes it's Christmas at my house, right? Like Christmas when the whole extended family comes over and I'm just like, oh, I don't, I don't, you, I have, I have a lot of feelings about you, right? Whether who you are or what you're doing or the ways that you're behaving, right? Like I can get, um, judgy probably is a good word, where I'm like, I don't, you are living your life in a way that drives me insane and I think is not good and self-destructive. And therefore being in the same room with them is uh, the most frustrating thing in the world because you gotta, gotta not say it, right? Because if you say it, then, it's, then it adds to the level of awkward and then dinner becomes this sort of, have you been in those moments where you said something you shouldn't and dinner turns into this, you can hear every knife and fork hit the plate and it's gotten, ah. 
But that is the people that Jesus ended up spending his time with, right? He didn't care about, as, as usual, Jesus didn't care about the rules or the culture of the day. Uh, he just did what he wanted. And so the story that we're gonna look into, if you have your Bibles, is from Matthew 9. Um, we talked about it briefly. It's on the screens. But Jesus uh, is still calling his disciples and he calls Matthew, who at the time is actually, if you read in the book of Luke, uh, is named Levi. So he gets a new name, Matthew. Um, but let's read that together. As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Not a whole lot of detail. He just did. Verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners. I love that. They didn't ask Jesus. They weren't gonna go straight to, you know, the person that was uh, having this action that they disapproved of. They were like, hey, disciples, come over here. We got a question for you. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus was basically hanging out with this group of people that, again, that nobody would have spent time with. And I really like Luke's account. If you kind of go over, I think it's uh, Luke 5. Um, he says it a little bit different. It says, after he called Matthew, Matthew was so excited to be with Jesus that he was like, I'm gonna throw a party. Like, I'm gonna have dinner for you. You're gonna be the guest of honor. And then as his friends started hearing about it, the people that he hung out with were all the people like him. And the people like him were the tax collectors and the sinners and the people that uh, the religious people of the day didn't want to spend any time with. So they just started coming over to dinner. So the, the, the dynamic of dinner changed when those people showed up, right? Like if we think about what that would look like, I went to Guatemala a few times now and I met um, this wonderful man named Shorty. Uh, those of you, Jana went with me. Shorty is this guy who um, is, a, is a pastor church planter. Um, he was involved in gangs in LA. Uh, so he's, got, he's, got, he's tattooed up and stuff and he got kicked, he, got, he was here and then got deported and then came back and um, was deported again and now can never come because of the crimes right, that, that he committed. But somewhere along the way, when he got back to Guatemala, he met Jesus. So now Shorty loves Jesus, but you should see the guys Shorty hangs out with, right? Like Shorty hangs out with those guys that are still gangbangers, that like when they come over, the, you know, they're, they're bringing, you know, beers and smoking and have like, you know, they're covered in tattoos and they have stories and they make other people who are following Jesus uncomfortable. Those are the guys, that, picture that. Shorty and his group of people that are coming over for dinner, that's what this dinner party sort of turns into. The people that for us, when we're sort of on the inside, are thinking, that is um, good for him. That's, <laughs> that makes, I mean, I don't wanna go to that dinner party. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. And if you were in the people of, of Jesus' day, it not only made you uncomfortable, it infuriated you because those are the kind of people that the, the, the religious of the day, the Pharisees, they wrote them off. 
Not, I, I want you to know this God of mine. No, 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 no. That's not ever the way that they behaved. And we read it time and time again that they, they wrote him off and said, no, we want to avoid you because we don't want to get wrapped up and get caught in that sin and be one of you, right? So if we put ourselves in that place, we might have a serious problem with that too, right? I think I've asked you this question before and I want to keep bringing it up because we talk about this context of scripture and we talk about tax collectors and sinners and the people that weren't doing it right. And, and some of them were downright bad people, right? Like the tax collectors were literally stealing from people. Not good. But who are, the, who are those people in our culture for us? Who are those people for you? And, and I think it's okay to admit it, right? If I, it, the people in our culture that were like, you, I'm writing you off because you've done so many things that are so terrible, I'm writing you off. Like this isn't for you. I want you to sort of think about that in, in, your, in your own head. Like who are the people that we are gonna sort of avoid? Because interacting with them seems too difficult. Because maybe some of it is, well, they're just really bad people, right? And some of it maybe is they've just continued to disappoint you with the choices that they continually make. I think for me in my life, I don't have, I don't think about, when I think about sinners, I think about everybody but me. Right? Everybody else. Are you like that? When I think about sinners, I often, I know that I am one. But when I think about it in this context, I'm like listing off these people and these names. And when I watch the news and I think, oh man, like so many, so much bad things are happening if they just knew Jesus. But then there are people that I'm connected with in my life that I'm like, that's the same. They're not, they're not murderers. <laughs> they're not doing those big sins that we think about. They're just not in a relationship with Jesus and therefore their lives don't have the same meaning. But what I loved about this story is that when Jesus calls Matthew, he was literally in the point of like taking money from people. Like he was actually collecting taxes, stealing, right, from, from the people. And in that moment, Jesus says, Matthew, follow me. And he was like, yep, <laughs> you bet. And, and, and off he went. And, and I don't know around what the context of that was, I mean, maybe he had heard about Jesus and the things that he'd been doing. But the thing that I wanna call your attention to is there was no ultimatums. There was no requirements, no rules of engagement, right? If I was with Jesus at the time, I would expect him to say, all right, Maddie, I want you to follow me, but here's the deal. Um, if you wanna be part of our group, our tribe, right? Here's what we do, um, we don't, um, drink, smoke, or swear, or go with girls who do. We don't, that's in order to be, right, in our group, that's, that's what it's gonna take. But there's nothing like that. He, there, there's no prerequisite. It's just this simple call to follow. And I think, doesn't, in our lives, doesn't there have to be some sort of outward evidence of holiness, right? Or righteousness before somebody can be a disciple? Because that's where I think that we all sort of go to. How, you can't pick him. He's done nothing. He's not ready to be your disciple. This is, a, this is part of the 12 people that you're going to call in your inner sanctum. 
What about his life would suggest that that would be a good idea? But what I, I think we always keep forgetting and, I, and, and what people of that day didn't even understand yet, right, is that it's not possible for us to become holy or acceptable without Jesus. You cannot clean yourself up and get it together and then come to Jesus. That's, that's not how it works. And then he goes on to say, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, right? Matthew, after spending time with Jesus, became holy. Jesus made him holy. He didn't make himself that way. He wasn't ready to do these things. It was spending time with Jesus that eventually changed him and transformed his life. And then he was holy because he was trying to follow Jesus in the best way that he could. He was spending time with a man who was changing the way that he thought, challenging what he believed and was loving him unconditionally. That's the deal. We're called to holiness and righteousness. Don't get me wrong, we, we, can't, we can't leave the hospital and still be sick, right? But, but it's part of that, right, isn't, isn't all our job. We're part of like, I, think, I feel like the church is a lot of times um, when you go in uh, to the emergency room, what is that called when you first go in? Triage. Sometimes we do a little bit of triage, right? What is it that you need immediately right now? And we're gonna be that for you as the church, because we believe that if you uh, spend more time with, with us and with Jesus, because we're, we're just trying to follow Jesus, we believe that you will become holy. But there's no entrance requirements to follow Jesus. None. And what I love it is they just went to Matthew's house to eat. Right, like, that's it. They, that's the way they were gonna change the world was this idea of eating with sinners. Right, the people that the religious sort of wrote off, they were just, that was their thing. That, that was the way that they were gonna, that they were infiltrating, is they were spending time, a, an honor-filled thing of, of gathering around somebody's table and they were gonna eat with them. I just love that. It, it's this simplistic sort of moment. And I think for us, it's easy for us to keep ourselves closed off from the world, right? When we become Christians, it doesn't take long for our whole world to be enveloped and around people like us. And there's a lot of really good things about that. I think having a community of people um, to, to, to hold you accountable, to love you, to push you, all those are good things. But we have that. So what more? What more can we do? We've kind of zoomed in on scriptures that tell us um, not to be, in the, to be in the world, but not of the world, right? Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Mom used to tell me that. When I was growing up all the time, she'd be like, you gotta be in the world, but not of it, Carrie. And she's right, and you're right. And I think that that's true, but we also have gotten to this level of extreme, right? That we're, we're in the world, but not really at all. Right now, now we sort of have sectioned ourselves off. Jesus, Jesus wants us to, to live our lives in a different way uh, by the way that we love and treat people. The character of who we are will set us apart but I think this guy, Jesus, was somebody that, that spent time, uh, he didn't even mind uh, spending time with sinners. As a matter of fact, I think he preferred it, right? He was this sort of sin magnet. People, people who were the wrong kind of people wanted to spend time with this person because of the way that he was. 
the love that he had, the, the way that he met people exactly where they are and didn't ask them to be more than they were or more than they could be in that moment. I'm gonna love you here. And I know that if you stick, if you stick with me, that you will become holy. But now we sort of, we define ourselves by, by removing ourselves and we have a whole separate sort of Christian culture, right? We have our own music, which is great. I mean, WCSG, I used to be like, mom, can we please listen to something else? But we've got our own, our own music and we've got our own movies now. Some of them are better than others. Fireproof, um, right? We've got Christian t-shirts, we love them. Um, there's even this wonderful Christian comedian, John Christ. He's hilarious. If you ever get a chance to, to download, so he, he, his whole shtick is to make fun of Christian, our Christian culture. And he can do it because he's part, of the, he's part of our group. Like, that's the way. He's like, I grew up here, so I can sort of make fun of the things that we do and the way church people do things. Uh, one of my favorite ones is like, when and how to pray, right? If it needs dressing, it doesn't need a blessing. He's got... <laughs> It's all these things about how we act. I'm telling you, YouTube, John Christ, you will, you'll get stuck for a while. So sorry about that. But it'd be interesting if I showed people that were outside our circle, they'd be like, I mean, I guess that's funny, but it's not gonna be, they're not gonna laugh as hard as I'm gonna laugh being on the inside. It's an in-group language kind of thing. And I think that we sometimes do that. We have this, people call it a Christianese, right? Like we have this whole other sort of language that we speak, especially when we're together. And sometimes we do that in other places and people who aren't part of our group don't understand us, right? It's like when you are, you know, spend time in other places and, and you hear other language being spoken, you're like, I think they're talking about me. Because I have no idea, they're probably not. But you have no idea, right? That, and I think that's the, the way that our language can become because we've, plugged ourselves into this Christian culture in a way that isn't overly helpful. It's good and it makes us feel good because it keeps us comfortable and we like it and, and, I, and it's not fundamentally wrong. There's amazing good things about it. I'm not saying get rid of Christian radio and return your t-shirts. Don't, don't do that. But what, what more how can we be connected to people in a way that doesn't separate us, but invites people in, into a relationship? I love the way that, that Paul says it. We do the next slide. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, um, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am free from God's law, but not under Christ's law. So as to win those who are not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all means possible, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I can share in its blessings. I love that. I want to become all things to all people so that some might believe. That doesn't mean I'm necessarily, Paul's not saying I'm going to engage, you know, in, in like this deep abiding way in all these things. I'm not going to, you know, if I'm going to hang out with people that are rock and roll, I'm not going to learn how to play the guitar just so I can hang out with that group, right? Josh's like, don't do it. But 
it's, we, can, we can learn from this, right? It's, it's this idea of we're not gonna write anyone off, right? It's this, I'm gonna find common ground. I'm gonna be willing to look for the things that we have in common. I'm not gonna pretend I'm somebody that because I follow Jesus, I have it all figured out, right? There's more that we don't know than what we do, amen? But I know that I have Jesus, and Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, amen? That's the sweet deal. He is the perfecter. We just feed into that. And so, so we, don't have to, we don't have to pretend. We need to be sensitive to the needs and the desires and the concerns of other people. Instead of hearing it and judging it, it's like, let's just hear it and listen to it and find out how we can connect, right? Look for opportunities to be in relationship with someone. That's, Jesus spent his whole time being in relationship, right? He shared meals with people. Maybe for you, that's not it. Maybe it's uh, playing basketball. Maybe it's having a drink on your porch. Uh, Every time you order coffee from the same place, getting to like know a little bit uh, more about the barista that you spend a significant amount of time with. (laughs) If you're anything like me. I mean, I gotta know everybody at Wild Roast so that, you know, I'm in a relationship with these people. But truly, if I'm there three times or four times a week, it would be silly for me not to make that effort, right? I, don't, I might not necessarily have things in common with all of them, but, but my, my goal is to want to know them, right? The, every time we look at Jesus, he, spent, he was spending time in like three main places, right? One was his faith community. His, his disciples, the people that were close to him, um, he was teaching them, he was being loved and cared for by them. People like Mary and Martha, like he allowed people to love and care for him. It was this reciprocal thing. So that was one place. And then he spent his time preaching and teaching with people and spending time with people, doing miracles, most of the time with people that had never heard of him. And that weren't, you know, that were definitely on the outcasts and, and, and on the edge of, of their own community. They weren't the people that were in temple every week. That didn't necessarily interest them. They were those people. Or the third place, he would go off alone to spend time with the Father. He would be in prayer, right? He spent time still connecting with God the Father. And I think if you look at that example of Jesus, that feels like an excellent way to divide our time, right? When we we think about our sort of rhythms. We gather together in, in community. We come to church. We love it. It, it. It's a time for us to see our people, to connect, um, to worship. We love to worship. We love to sing. We love to learn. This is a great community. It's awesome. We spend our time doing that. This is our people. These are our, this is our tribe. But then we can spend a majority of our time in community that aren't necessarily like us. Sometimes that means maybe like calling your friends and your people and saying, I'm in a season of my life right now where I'm gonna try to focus on people in my community. So I might not see you as often right now because I'm gonna try to do this thing. Or you just join, you can join in, right? If you live in a neighborhood and you know people, you just have people over and, and keep keep inviting, keep being intentional. And maybe it's outside your neighborhood. Maybe it's just those places that you are where you have conversations and you find out a little bit more and you spend significant time with the Father. And then prayer and devotional life. I know for me, when my life gets busy, it is the first thing that goes. I wish it wasn't true. I wish I could stand here and say, nope, 
No matter what happens in my life or how late I stayed up last night hanging out with my friends, I'm still up in the morning, coffee and devotions. You betcha. Shoot, it's not true. I know, that's not me. It's not true. I'm already not good at it, right? Like it's a discipline. I'm actually pretty terrible at disciplines in general. The word discipline, I don't care for, (laughs) right? And so I have to work really hard to make that part of my life. Some of you, that's not the case. Some of you, it's one of your favorite things to be alone with the Father in devotions. I love that. If, if that's, build that into your life. Spend that time because relationships change everything. And if you don't have a relationship with the Father, you can't have relationships with other people. That's just not the way that it works. Our, we are so connected with God that if our relationship with Him is not going well, then we can never be enough for other people to be connected to other people. Relationships change everything. A connection sparks relationship. People don't need our our condemnation, they need our mercy. It's one of the greatest things I I feel like I learned from uh, our Dignity Serves time is this idea of mercy. The same mercy that Christ showed to you and the grace we then have to turn to the world. That it's all about mercy, that we don't get what we deserve. I was involved with Young Life for a long time. has taught me so much about what that means to be in relationship. And we have this, this fundamental belief uh, and, and sort of mantra that says, you have to earn the right to be heard. Meaning if I'm gonna hang out with a kid, I can't just meet them and in a couple weeks, let them know like, mm, yeah, the things in your life, these aren't going really well. That girl that you're dating, awful. That guy that you're dating, oh no. And stop smoking. Like don't, I can't do that. They will look at me and they will roll their eyes and forget it and they won't come back. I can't speak truth into their life if I don't know them, if they don't trust me. It's the idea that we have to spend time building a relationship on trust so that you can earn the right to speak the truth into their lives. Right? In my relationship over the years, I hope that I've been able to show them Christ long before we've ever had a conversation about Christ. We also have another saying that you never do it, never go alone, right? So um, trying to hang out with, with students, um, we were like, hey, if whatever you're gonna do, you should just invite them along. Never eat alone, never run, run errands alone. Uh, I feel like that there's something to that, right? It might look different for you as, you know, in your adult life, but it's this, how do we invite people into our lives and stop having to make everything feel like an event, what if we were just trying to sort of do things with people? So I used to call up my young life kids and be like, I'm gonna watch a movie tonight. And I literally had no plans. And so I'd call, I'd call a couple of them up and say, bring snacks, be at my house, or I'm gonna go to Target. And I have to get these things at Target. And I would just call a couple of them up, pick them up, and we'd go to Target. It's these small sort of things, but it's this, it's this idea of building a relationship with somebody being able to sort of know who they are and what they're about, making a, making a phone call to invite someone along. These ideas are so simple and I think sometimes we overcomplicate the gospel. Jesus spent his whole time spending time with people, building relationships with people, loving people. And Paul says, I'm gonna be all things to all people so that some might believe. I don't know what that looks like for you as individuals, but that's what I want to challenge you towards. For you in your life, in your spheres of influence, with the people that you know, how do you connect 
with people, being all things to all people so that some might believe. How are people knowing that Christ is so rooted in your life and who you are? That's what people will see. Not your t-shirt, right? Or your wall hanging, which are cool. I have some too. But it's that people will see Christ in you and that's how you will be set apart. That's how you don't conform to the patterns of this world. But you're still all things to all people so that some might believe. Because it's easy to hang out with people that we know. But Jesus spent time hanging out with people um, who needed to be known. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are, um, for the ways that you love us and care for us and call us to be yours. Um, Lord, we confess that for us, well, we love you and um, we want to spend time with you, but sometimes we don't because we get busy. And sometimes we come to this place um, of church, whether it's here or, or someplace else, and, and we, we sort of get our fix and then we move on. Or we rely on, on church and our Christian community to be our uh, only relationships. So God, I just pray that you challenge all of us um, to let that not be true, to, to model our lives more like Jesus, to spend time with our, with our community, to grow, to be stronger, to be... Um, to, to grow in our knowledge and our insight of who you are, but then also to spend time with people that, that don't know who you are, that, that want to know. The people that are in our communities that live down the street, the people that are in our spheres of influence that we see every day because we work with them, the people that maybe sit across the kitchen table from us And God, we pray that we take time to spend time with you so that you can continue to, to mold us and create us and shape us to be more and more like you so that we can be set apart, so that we can reflect your image for your glory. God, we thank you for a place like this that we, we have to connect, that we have to be challenged, um, maybe in some ways that can sometimes be uncomfortable, but I just pray that... Um, that we will seek you and that you will open our eyes to, to the world around us and that we will see people with the same love and compassion and mercy that you've shown us. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen.